Is anybody excited about God this morning? Amen. As I was sitting there and we were worshiping, I felt the Spirit of the Lord begin to minister to me about this thing called Christianity. You know, a lot of times, you know, good things aren't God things. You guys know that. Everything good ain't gold and everything that glitters ain't gold. Amen. A lot of times the enemy will use good things like church, right? How many of y'all know that what we're doing here this morning is not ministry? Do you guys know that? This isn't ministry. This is a celebration. What ministry is is what we do when nobody's looking. Amen? And, and the thing that anybody wants us to do is to get so focused on church, so focused on services, that we lose sight that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to us in Christ. Come on, somebody. All authority. He gave us authority over all flesh. All flesh. Not most of it. Not sometimes. But all flesh. We have all divinely been given the authority by the blood of Jesus to walk in the fullness of Christ as we step out of our comfort zone and step into the glory that he has laid before us. And that's ministry. Church is a ministry. Church is a celebration. Church is a family. It's a support system. When everybody in the world turns away from us and turns their back on us, the family that God has given us in the church is where we can run. Amen? So I just wanted to be obedient this morning and share that with you. We're going to be talking about God's arrows. I'm going to go to my root text real quick in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And we're going to start in the sixth verse. I'll give you guys a second to get there. And this is going to be the root text. The Bible talks about arrows a lot. A lot, a lot. And in, over the years, I've started to take notice that when I see repetition in the Word of God, my antennas go up. Amen? And so we're going to start in the sixth verse of 1 Samuel 14. And the Word of the Lord reads like this. It says, Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to save by many or few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do your desire. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves to them. And if they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go. For the Lord has given them into our hands, and it shall be as a sign to us. When both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistines said, Behold, Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they've been hiding themselves. So the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will tell you something. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet with his armor bearer behind him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer, put some to death after him. The first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within a half a furrow and an acre of land. And there was a trembling in the camp. And in the field and among all the people, even the garrison and the raiders trembled, and the earth quaked so that it became a great trembling. Father, we come to you on behalf of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
of Nazareth, we acknowledge the purity of his blood, the perfection that is his life, the wholeness that is his word, the impenetrable nature of his promise. And we acknowledge, Lord, that we come to you on behalf of that promise today. Without his blood, Lord, we would not have an audience with you today. So we acknowledge his blood. Father, we ask that you would bring seeds upon this ground today that would be untouched by the fowl of the air, Lord, that would fall on good soil, that would bring forth growth. Holy Ghost, that you would water the seeds and bring life to them, not just life, but life abundantly as you hide me behind the cross and I decrease so that you may increase. And all the saints of God said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to start us off with a quote today by Steve Goodyear. And Steve Goodyear says, But beware about your callings. They may not lead us to where we intended to go or even where we want to go. But if we choose to follow, we may have to be willing to let go of the life we already planned and accept whatever is waiting for us. If the calling is true, somebody say true. True. Though we may not have gone where we intended, we surely will end up where we need to be. And so as you guys know, we're going to be talking this week about broken arrows. Sorry, broken arrows is my topic. But we're going to be talking about God's arrows. And so I began thinking about this journey that we call and refer to as life. And I started thinking about situations that I found myself in. Seasons that I've walked through and almost died inside of. Can I get a witness in the house of God today? I started thinking about this roller coaster ride that is life. And the, 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 the uh, Spirit began ministering to me that we all start out broken. Amen? We don't start out in the winner's circle. We start out broken. And so I started thinking about the terminology broken arrow as the Spirit of God brought it to me. And I started doing some research. And I found that the terminology broken arrow is actually a military term. In the United States military, this term is used to relay the message then a unit has been overrun or the lines of their defense have been broken. Has anybody's lines of defense been broken today? It's used to deploy all available military assets to the nearly overrun position in effort to preserve the line and to hold the ground that the troops are and have been fighting to occupy. Are you guys talking with me today? So the terminology, broken arrow, if you've seen the movie We Were Soldiers, right? Anybody seen that movie uh, with, with that crazy guy that loves to go on rants late night on CNN? What's his name? Mel Gibson, right? Uh, we know that in the movie where Mel Gibson portrayed the commander of the troop that was overrun that day, he called in an airstrike, and he said, broken arrow, broken arrow, broken arrow. And what they did is they deployed air assault tactics and resources to fall literally right on top of the troops, and he told them to get as small as snakes and hide behind, hide behind anything that they could hide. Broken arrow is a term that we see in our military, we see in cinematography today, but it's also a term that we can apply to our spiritual life and or journey. Are you tracking with me today? So I started thinking about my journey in the body of Christ, and I started acknowledging the fact that my journey has been in no shortage of broken arrow circumstances. Amen? And I think if we're being honest with ourselves this morning, we would offer that most times we are operating inside of broken arrow circumstances. 
if we see reality for what it is. You see, the difference is that life is life. Whether you're walking with Christ or you're walking against Christ, are you tracking me today, church? Life is always going to be life, and you can always count on life to be life. That's its job. But the difference is when we walk with Christ, we have the authority to walk through the fires of life without being consumed the way of the world. And when we walk through our fires, when we walk through our broken arrows, we give notion to those around us witnessing us walk through that fire to see what's different about us compared to them. Can I get a witness in the house of God today because I believe if we're honest about life life is a constant resource or river of opportunities to fall and to use excuses to not stand on and walk in the fullness of our potential of our destiny of fate amen can I get a witness in the house of God today so we're talking about broken arrows but don't take my word for it James would chime in on the topic in the first chapter sweetheart can you send that bottle of water up here that would be great Thank you. James would chime in on the topic in the first chapter, the 14th verse. He would say, James, sorry, first verse, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed amongst greetings. And here's where it catches me. He said, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you fall to diviner's temptation. Now, we've taught and teased this point out before in previous uh, settings, but it says fall there. It didn't say that you were victorious. It said fall. Somebody say fall. You know what fall means? Fall. See, what I thought my whole life when I saw this word was that we should consider it a joy when we're victorious over temptations. But what the word of God would tell us is when we fall to broken arrow circumstances and situations, we, could, we should consider it a joy as we acknowledge what God is doing through it. Are you tracking with me? James isn't the only one that chimes in on this topic. In Luke, we see the story of the Good Samaritan in the, uh, in the 10th chapter, 30th verse. Jesus replied and he said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst robbers. And when they stripped him and beat him, he went away, leaving them half dead. I did a quick word search of the Greek word for fall, and it's pepetito. Now, fall means fall victim to and encounter to become enslaved. Are you talking to me today, church? So the word of God would tell us that we will in life be in no shortage of broken arrow situations. So I started searching high and low and praying that God would give me an instance where we could take a snapshot of a, a victorious situation that started out as a broken arrow, but by the power of God turned out to be a moment of victory. Can I get a witness? You see, it says in the word of God, not by strength nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we're going to be talking about a man named Jonathan today and his armor bearer, a man crazy enough to believe God for the impossible in a situation that seemed to be impossible. But y'all don't hear me, though. We're talking about somebody in the word of God today who was looking upon a broken arrow situation, and he chose to believe Jesus and to rely on his faith in the object of Jesus Christ to walk victoriously in it. And as you look at the word, it says, for God is not restrained by many or few. You see, God is God. Amen. Sometimes we just got to let him be God. So if you guys will go with me, today my topic is teaching broken arrows how to fly. Because I don't know about y'all, but I'm broken. I don't know about y'all, but 
in the, in the natural, no, many, no matter how successful things seem to be, no matter how good things seem to be inside in my spirit, I'm always broken. Because I acknowledge that to walk in what God has called me to do, and I'm not talking about the ministry, I'm talking about as the man of my house, as the high priest of my home, as a father to my children, what God has called me to do to be a man of character that is uncompromised, what God has called me to do is impossible. And it's scary. Can anybody be honest in the house of God today and say that it's scary? Uh, I was at uh, a place in Tyler yesterday. We were running some errands, and this lady was helping uh, with a situation, and she said, she knew that I was a minister, and she said, you know, I'm feeling really overburdened and, and heavy, just w- weighed down right now. And I said, what's going on, sister? And she said, well, I'm trying to get my life back with God. I'm trying to work on my relationship with God, and it's just frustrating. I feel overwhelmed. And I said, I think I know what you're, what you're talking about. I have a little bit of experience. Can I share something with you real quick? And she she said, absolutely. And I began to write down on a napkin and I told her, I said, see, religion tells us to work hard. So we'll be accepted. Religion tells us to work hard. So we'll be accepted. I said, but you see the truth of Christianity, Christ-like walking with the Lord is we're accepted. So we worship. Amen. And when I come on, that's a great place. Right. And when I said that to her, she looked at me like a deer in the headlights, like she had heard English for the first time or something. Right. Uh, Anybody today in the house of God, she's like, wow, I never thought of it like that. I think the enemy burdens us down so much inside of our broken arrow circumstances and situations to see that we should rely on ourselves instead of surrendering to the great I am the one who can. Amen. Hallelujah. So I believe God has a word for us today. We're going to be in the 14th chapter of 1 Samuel, and I'm going to set the stage. If you guys have ever heard me preach before, I like to take a little bit of time to set a stage for us because we're looking in on a story. So I'd like to provide us some lenses to peer in on this story today. If you'll give me a second, I'm going to find most of this information that I'm about to give you in the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel. And so I want to set the stage. On this day, I want you guys to understand they were facing the military of the Philistines. Now... Saul himself, when this war began, only had about 3,000 soldiers, but most of them soon fled away. Some of them turned coat and joined forces with the Philistines. Some of them hid in foxholes and caves. They, They just completely ran away. And some of them were there with Saul, but they weren't really there with Saul. Any, any, okay, I'm the, all right. Uh, and something else that was interesting about this day is that the Philistines had banned all blacksmiths from being able to sharpen or forge weapons. So the children of God, the Israelites, had no weapons accessible to them other than farmer's tools. So they had like pitchforks, shovels, uh, garden hose. They had uh, these, these kind of uh, elementary forms of weapons that they were using to fight an army of about 100,000 soldiers. Let me break this 100,000 down for us real quick. Uh, They would have had roughly 6,000 horsemen. So this is cavalry, mounted cavalry. They would have had about 70,000 foot soldiers, and they would have had... um, 70,000 foot soldiers... And the Word of God says that they had uh, foot soldiers that were in the multitude that were too numerable to count, okay? So roughly about 100,000 people there on this day. But what they didn't know is that there was a man of God that was receiving divine assignment to walk in faith and not by sight. Can I get a witness today? 
And so if you guys will go with me, we've set the stage. We're going to jump into the sixth verse, and the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come up and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained. Somebody say, not restrained. Not restrained to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. So many of us in discipleship only want our pastors to do what we're comfortable with or what fits into our time schedule. But y'all don't hear me though. He said, do all that is in your heart. And here I am according to your desire. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and reveal ourselves unto them. And if they say to us, Wait, we will come to you and reveal ourselves. Sorry, wait, for we will come to you. Then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has given them into our hands. A little theology for you really quick. Anytime in the word of God that you see uh, the word saying go up or going down, it's talking about elevation. Okay? So when it says go up, it's talking about going up in terms of elevation. Now see here in Texas, when we say going up, we think about Dallas, or we say going down, we think about San Antonio. So we think of it as we're looking at a map. In the Word of God, when it says go up or go down, it's talking about elevation. And also, going up is a sign in theology for victory, and going down is a sign for defeat. So they had a plan by God's direction using a sign. Now, these weren't the only people that we see in the Word of God asking for the Lord to give them a sign. We know that Abraham's servants asked for help, a sign by the Lord when they were choosing Rebekah, which would end up to be Isaac's wife. Uh, also, we know that Gibeon asked for the dew to be on one side of the blanket if it was God's will, and then God did it, and then he turned around and asked for it to be on everything but the blanket. So in the Word of God, we see no shortage of people asking God for a sign. In this house today, I would offer that we probably are in no shortage of people that have been asking God for a sign. Are you with me today, church? So this man of God asked God for a sign, and God gave him the sign that he was looking for. We'll pick it up in the 11th verse, and the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, when both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, the Philistines said, behold, Hebrews are coming out of their holes where they have hidden themselves. Pause button real quick. I want you guys to see, now you'll find this history in the 13th chapter, that Jonathan and his armor bearer would have been down below beneath two sharp, uh, two very sharp jagged rocks. Now, these soldiers were up above them, so it would have been like something you would see in a military movie, uh, one of the hornet's nests where they got all the machine guns, right? It's a defensive position. Now, these Philistine soldiers were the highest point on the battlefield that day. So they were up above. Jonathan and his armor bearer couldn't visibly see these guys. They didn't know how many of them were up there, okay? That's going to be important here in a second. We'll pick it up in the 12th. Verse, so the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer, and he said, come up to us, and we will tell you something. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Now notice there, side note, he said, notice that the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. He didn't say, given them into my hand. Okay, you'll get that on the way home. 13th verse. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet. Jonathan, he approached the enemy in the lowliest position that he could possibly take. He had taken the lowliest position that was possible or accessible to him on that day. He was giving us a sign of humility. Humility. 
Humility doesn't get many applauses. It's okay. 14th verse. In the first slaughter, when Jonathan and his armor bearer made what was about 20 men within about a half of a furrow and an acre of land, and there was a trembling in the camp and in the field and among all the people, even the garrison of the raiders trembled in the earth quaked below. Now, again, I pointed out the fact that this garrison was above. All the 100,000 troops of the Philistines were below in the battlefields. So when they went up, when they got elevated, when they chose to rise, to when they chose to stand on the word of God, but you don't hear me, when, when they chose to be defiant to the natural order, when they chose to go in the opposite direction of what made sense, when they chose to stand on the promise of God and refuse to compromise their faith, they got elevated, hallelujah. They started to rise up and they went into the garrison and they slew about 20 men and the earth began to shake and tremble. Now, why is it important that we note that the earth began to shake and tremble? Because to the 100,000 warriors below, it would have seemed like a much greater movement of men were marching from above. It would have seemed like an impenetrable force was marching from the crag above. And they began to receive fear inside their heart. And they started to run because what two men chose to do in standing on the promise of God began to give the effects of a multitude of soldiers coming to take their life. So two men were crazy enough to believe God for the impossible. And God followed them by shaking the earth and shaking the mountain and bringing sounds of a multitude of warriors. And what's crazier is the Philistines started fighting themselves. Chaos came into the camp of the Philistines and they began to fight amongst themselves. So he gave them the victory and what this little action of faith did was set into motion a chain of events that would lead to the death of over a hundred thousand Philistines on that day because as we read further we see that Saul began to muster the men and he began to gather all the resources available and those that were hiding in the caves and furrows those that had turned coats and joined the Philistine army they began to fight with the armies of the living God and they got the victory now I've told you what I was going to tell you I told you, and now I'm going to tell you what I told you. Amen. If you guys are ready, we're going to go to the takeaways. It's nugget time. We're going to start in the sixth verse. We got one person excited. It's nugget time. Takeaways. First Samuel 14 and 6, and the word Lord reads like this. It says, Then Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor... Come and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not restrained to be saved by many or by few. The first takeaway today is that God's arrows don't key on natural targets. Amen. The first takeaway today is that God's arrows don't key 
on natural targets. Nobody in their right mind would have gone up to the garrison on that day. Nobody in the natural would have been able to stand on the notion that God had a desire to send a trembling and a quaking through the land to sin and set the captives free. Nobody in their natural mind would have been able to step out on this promise today, but they weren't operating in the natural. They were operating in the supernatural. They were operating in the spirit. The word of God says not by strength nor by might, but by my spirit says the Lord. Jonathan said, who is this uncircumcised Philistines? He chimes in with his, with David and he says, that defies the army of the living gods of Israel. You see, you know what's great about our God? He's the only one that's alive. He's the only one that wants to see you succeed. He doesn't want to see you enslaved to rules and regulations. You see, we don't pursue holiness to be saved. We are saved, so we pursue holiness. It's a difference. I honor my God by pursuing holiness to show him my gratitude for what he gave me. Because I don't know about y'all, but I used to be a drug addict. I used to be out in the streets with no purpose, with no vision, with no rhyme or reason to rise in this thing called life. And the Savior of the world stepped into the narrative of my story and he said I have called you before the foundations of the earth for a purpose and that purpose is to proclaim my name St. Francis of Assisi said tell as many people about Christ as possible and if necessary use words they were crazy enough to believe God let's go to the next one 1 Samuel 14 and 7 and the word of the Lord reads like this It says, his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Turn yourself, here I am, according to your desire. The second takeaway today, church, is God's arrows seek victory on God's terms, not on their own. You see, I fought my pastor for years trying to get him to submit to my vision. That didn't work out too well. A lot of people got hurt. I almost lost my family. I almost lost everything of value that I have in this world. Which, by the way, everything of value that I have in this world came through the hands of Victory Life. I came here in 2014 with nothing. Nothing. God's arrows seek victory on God's terms, not their own. Jonathan's Jonathan's armor bearer considered not what the word of the man of God said. He considered that God had placed him under the man of God and that true victory and true freedom would exist when he surrendered to the vision of the man of God. Don't take my word for it. Go to Jeremiah chapter 3 real quick in the 14th verse. The prophet Jeremiah gives us a snapshot of what this relationship looks like as God ordained it before the foundations of the earth. Every man and woman of God is sent to be under authority by a shepherd that God ordained. And inside of the authority by the shepherd that God ordained, we as sons and daughters get to live in the fullness of life because life can be great. Life can be great, but God doesn't want us just to have life. He wants, to, he wants us to have life abundant. Come on, somebody. He doesn't want us just to exist in this thing called life. Paycheck to paycheck. He wants us to live life abundant. Hallelujah. And it comes through being in the right posture in the right place under the right pastor. Jeremiah's third chapter in the 14th verse, it says, Return, O faithless sons, declares the Lord, 
for I am a master to you, and I will take you from a city or two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you on the knowledge and understanding, and it shall be in those days when you are multiplied and increase in the land. Make no mistake, you are here today by divine principle. It's not by mistake. You have been ordained to walk underneath the shepherd of this house. And under that shepherd, under the authority of God's word, you will be multiplied in the land. But the truth is, a king is not a king until he goes to his cross. Next takeaway. 1 Samuel 14 and 13, and the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet with his armor bearer behind him and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer put some to death after him the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half a furrow in the acre of land the last and final takeaway I give you today is that God's arrows take flight when the enemy advances the final, the final takeaway today thank you Jacob is that God's arrows take flight when the enemy advances. I'm going to give you some examples of this real quick. Where we've seen this happen, where God's arrows have taken flight when the enemy advances. Moses did it with a staff. When God's enemies, notice I said God's enemies, advance, Moses did it with a staff. David did it with a sling. Amen. The Israelites in the city of Jericho did it with their voices. And the last time that the darkness and the transgressions and iniquity of the earth became to a point of broken arrow, God did it with water. Go with me real quick to Genesis chapter 9. He did it with water. He flooded the earth. But he gave us a promise. I want you guys to see something before we go eat. Some of us are eating right now. Some of you guys just don't know well enough to dig in. Genesis chapter 9. The last time that the earth was in a state of broken arrow, when the darkness of mankind had reached a breaking point, when God's patience and his mercy, when his loving kindness got to a place of broken arrow, God did it with water. He saved a remnant though. Genesis 9 and 14, and the word of the Lord reads like this. It says, and it shall come to pass. Worship team, you guys can come on up. I want you guys to get this. It says, and it shall come to pass. This is God talking here, guys. When I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Now the word in Hebrew for bow is kosheth. Kosheth means bowman or warrior or war bow or arrow. 
only use of that word the first time that word had ever been entered into language in the history of mankind he said and it shall come when a cloud sets above the earth that i shall set my bow in the in the cloud to serve i'm paraphrasing here as a promise as a sign of my covenant with you and all those that are living on the earth that i shall never take again the world by water did you guys ever notice that God's war bow that we call rainbow is pointing at the heavens? You see, see, God said, next time I point the arrow of my wrath, it will be pointed at my son. Colossians 2 and 8 says, See that it that no one takes you by captive thought through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather that according to Christ. For in him all fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority, and in him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, and in the removal of the body of the flesh and the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through the faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your trespasses and your uncircumcision of flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt that was consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made public display of them, having triumphed over them through him on Calvary's cross. He destroyed your wretchedness and he replaced it with his righteousness on Calvary's cross. He removed your shame and substituted with his honor on Calvary's cross he exchanged your mortality with his immortality on Calvary's cross he covered your nakedness with his robe of majesty on Calvary's cross he hid your iniquity within his fortress on Calvary's cross he supercharged your impotence with his omnipotence on Calvary's cross he said it's finished he said it's finished your loneliness is finished. I've sent my comforter. Your brokenness is finished. I've sent the redeemer. Your destruction has been destroyed. I've taken away the penalty of death. I have released you into the victory that comes by my blood. He said it's finished. Every head bowed, every eye closed, the altar's open. He promised us that he would never pour his wrath out on us again. He promised us victory in the eyes of defeat. He promised that he would never give us more than we could handle. That he would always give us a route of escape. He promised us that he would empower us to be more than overcomers. That he would never forsake us. He promised us. Father, we thank you for your promise. We acknowledge that your promise is pure. That it's unselfish. That it's without agenda.
that it is a constant, that it'll never fail us. We acknowledge the promise, but Jesus, we acknowledge the price you paid for that promise. You gave it all so that we could have it all. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Amen.